Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carry sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hey guys, thanks for coming out, thanks for listening, this is Disability After Dark, and we're here for another episode, so let's jump right in. One of my favorite things about a program like this is when I get emails from people randomly asking me to be on the show and saying they've listened to my show and they now want to be a guest, and I don't, that doesn't happen very often because usually I'm the one going out to guests that I love and saying, would you please, please be on my show? But that didn't happen this time. This week, I spoke to somebody who reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, I want to talk to you about something that we don't often talk about, and I want, I'd love to be on your show to talk about it. They wanted to talk to me about ostomy bags and ileostomy bags and things like that. And I was like, well, we've never really talked about that kind of stuff, frankly, on this show before. And it's something that many people with varying disabilities deal with, and I thought, why not bring that to the forefront? Why not let this person tell their story? So for this episode, I interviewed Kelly Bracken. She is really cool. The interview was so fun and relaxed. We talked about, we didn't so much talk about sex. We touched on it a little bit, but we talked primarily about how to feel sexy and how to feel sensual with an ostomy bag and how to kind of be confident in your sexiness sexiness with this new thing you're dealing with. And I think that's really important because when you're dealing with things like catheters and bags and condom catheters or indwelling catheters or um, intermittent catheters where you need to pee or anything that isn't generally naturally supposed to be involved in your bodily functions, it can be really hard to feel sexy and really hard to feel valuable and have sexual worth when all these other quasi-medical things are happening to you. So that's really what the interview kind of is. We just kind of talk about the realities of living with an ileostomy bag. And I was really, really honored that Kelly was willing to be so forthcoming. So I don't want to ramble on anymore. Have a listen to the interview and I hope you enjoy it. Here's my interview with Kelly Bracken right now on the premier podcast, Shining Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. 
Hey, Kelly, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to have you here on the show. You actually reached out to me and sent me an email about your stuff. And I always love getting those emails because I, I'm always the one asking and asking people to be on the show. Like, please come be a guest. Please, please. So it's really nice when somebody's like, hey, I'll be a guest and here's what I want to talk about. And I get when I get those emails, it really makes me happy. So why don't you, I told the audience a bit about who you are um, before we started talking. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself and why you're here today? Okay. Yeah. So my name's Kelly. Um, I, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my background, I guess, a little bit. So I'm an ostomate and a crony, which are two awesome little nicknames for having an ostomy and having Crohn's disease. So that's my little medical history. I'm also queer. Um, it's like technically bisexual, but I prefer queer. <laughs> yeah, I also um, prefer queer for a number of reasons. Too, yeah, so. yeah, just it's like there's so much stigma around all of those words that it's just easier to be a little more vague about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. And um, yeah, so I heard about you, we were talking before the show about through Cooper's show and actually heard his show through the multi-amory podcast. So it's been a little train and then we're all together. We're all <laughs> a little, little group of, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's such a, there's such a small, well, not a small, but there's a small number of us doing sex podcasts. Right. And so we all generally know each, we know of each other or know each other or will eventually know each other. But there's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a nice, like, community building thing um so so i kind of know what ostomies are and i know what crohn's disease is but for somebody listening who's like i know what those words are but i don't know what they actually mean can you kind of lay that out for us yeah sure i'm like a huge advocate for this stuff like anybody i talk to i'm like let me tell you the the the, the, the juice on it <laughs> but so basically Crohn's disease is where it's an autoimmune disease like lupus or, oh, there's a kind of arthritis, I think that's also. Anyways, um, so basically your immune system attacks your GI tract. That's anywhere from your mouth all the way to your butthole. And <laughs> typically it's in your colon um, or large and small intestines. And it creates ulcers, bleeding, lots and lots of pain. Um, and I dealt with that for, I was diagnosed at 18 with um, initially it was uh, ulcerative colitis because I was having very severe issues with um, that specific area that's in just your small intestine. And then it had probably been about five years, um, I got my permanent ileostomy. And that is where they take um, a piece of your intestine and they stick it out through your um, stomach or your abdomen um and then kind of you... like your belly button or like beside <laughs> next to it actually i don't even have a belly button when they did my i had an emergency surgery and they had to do like a big a huge scar right here. um oh. it's good no, i hated my belly button honestly god i was i hate belly buttons and so i was ecstatic that i did not have a belly button anymore i was like well there's always an upside but anyway, so yeah, instead of having it go normally through your system, um, you excrete waste through your stoma, which is on your stomach, and then you have like an adhesive bag. And so there's urostomies, which is for urine, um, there's colostomies with, with, with your colon, and then ileostomies with, with, with your um, small intestine. So they took out my whole colon, so I only have the small intestine. So they're 
all a little different. People usually think colostomy bag is like, that's like the thing people know about, yeah. I guess. Like they don't really know the differences. And Yeah. When you contacted me, that's kind of what I, that's kind of initially what I thought. Yeah. And so that's, that's why like, I, I appreciate the, the primer because I didn't, I wasn't aware there were so many, like I didn't know there was a colostomy and then a, Right. And then an ilost- il- what is the other one? <laughs> ileostomy. So yeah. you have an you have an ileostomy, which means that it's just connected to your small intestine. Does that like we'll get into the sexy part in a minute? Um, <laughs> I'm all about does, it. Does that affect like your eating habits? Um, you in some ways my eating habits are actually way easier now than they were before I got it because, you know, just having all with the Crohn's eating anything is just so painful, but really just anything high in fiber. Like I can't eat shredded wheat, <laughs> like, you know, like weedies or whatever, just cause you'll get an obstruction because you don't have, there's no, it's not like a sphincter. It's just like a, you know, the size of the stoma is what it is. I can't really expand or contract. So if you have like a big clog of stuff, you get backed up, not pleasant, but really no, um, the only thing people you, with ileostomies versus colostomies, it's more consistent with an ileostomy. You think about how your small intestine versus your colon works. Your colon's more, it kind of like keeps stuff there <laughs> when your small intestine just kind of keeps it moving. So, you know, a lot of people will send me like, oh, look at this cool product for a colostomy. Like, I can't use that. <laughs> but like, I appreciate the, you know, thinking about me, but, uh, so, does that, so does that change like your bathroom habits then? I mean, mm-hmm. it, cause yeah. thing is, like, you're going to poop all the time. Is that- <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, in ways it's, you kind of, your, your small intestine like, uh, adapts over time. Like that's why I have to drink so much water because I get really, really dehydrated because your colon's what takes all your water in. Right. So it's kind of like you have diarrhea all the time. Like there's no sugar coating it, but it, you have the bag there and that holds a certain amount. I really, really hate having it be full at all. So I go to the bathroom a lot just to empty it because it makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, of course. You know, it's it's not you know it's a it's a lifestyle change, but it's not like I go uh, backpacking all the time. You know, where I'm gonna go climb Kilimanjaro in September. Like, wow. it doesn't doesn't stop you from doing things you love. You just kind of have to have a little bit of a adjustment. <laughs> but so, how does all of that affect? Like, how does having having that attached to you? Like, I I have I had condom catheters for a long time. Then when my body's changed a little bit, which I was not ready for, changed this past year, and I had to have in the catheters inserted um, three times a day to pee, which is not, yeah. which I don't yeah, enjoy. For the men, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't enjoy that in any way, but it is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm slowly getting used to that. But like, how long did it take you to go from like? I'm using the bathroom like everybody else to this is happening to me now. Yeah. And this, so across the board, it seems to be about a year that it takes people to stop hating everything about it. So I was extremely depressed when I first got like the, I had a a temporary bag initially and I was like, it's okay. You know, I can go back to being normal. Um, And then when I got the permanent one, I was just it was just really hard at first. I think what it is, it's like body dysphoria, you know, like 
You're like, my body is one way, and then they put this thing on you, and you're like, this does not belong here. Like, what the hell yeah, is happening? I hate not it. I hate to be it. Here. Yeah. Why is it here? And I think I that's mean, the biggest thing. Being that where you, being that, especially you as a as a female identified person, you guys have very high standards in in you know you know you know your aesthetic, and I mean everybody mm-hmm. does, but especially the way that the, right. that body image is geared towards women. Um, I can imagine having that attached to you wasn't mm-hmm. didn't really make you feel sexy. Like, can you kind of elaborate on how how you felt when it was like? And you're like, okay, I'm standing in front of the mirror. Here it is. Like, here's the deal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was because I was diagnosed at 18. And even then, before I had the bag, I got incontinent. I had these fistulas. Like, it's not sexy to be that way. But, and I felt like, and when the bag came too, I just felt like my beauty was stolen from me. My youth was stolen from Like, I felt like these are my, you're supposed to be your prime years. Like, oh, women in their lower 20s, like, that's when you're the best and that's when you're the most attractive. And it was, like, cutting that down and, like, now you have no worth. But I feel like that's actually made me, I feel way sexier than I ever did before I had the bag, honestly. Now, it's been, I'm 28 now, so it's been 10 years since I was diagnosed, about five years since I got the bag. Because I think cutting it down and taking that year to be like, okay, what the hell? Like, what am I? Like, what's my worth? It's It was really difficult, but it kind of made me look at myself in a different way. Like, I'm not all about my aesthetic. <laughs> like, and, and I guess that having that outside confidence, like, regardless of what my body is, actually, like, reflected back on being confident in my body. But yeah. it was at first it was just, it was, it was brutal. I, I didn't, my husband and I didn't, we weren't married then, but we didn't have sex for like a year because it just felt so shitty about myself. And I still, I mean, when it comes to intimacy, it's, I still have to cover it. I really don't like having it like visible and it's hard to work through that, but, um, it's getting better. (laughs) I know for condom catheter bags, they're pretty cumbersome. Like, is it a, Mm -hmm. is it a big bag or is it something that at least like looks, does it look like if you were to have your shirt off, could I see it? Here, Molly, let me show. I know, I know you're describing it, but might be easier. So this is, it's a flesh-colored bag. It's about what, like six inches. Yeah. And when it's, when it's empty, it's flat, so it's really not as noticeable as people would think. When it's full, it gets all puffed out. Yeah. So that's my that's my biggest thing is I don't want it to be full when I'm having sex, so I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, wait, wait, let me run to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's not that like obvious, I think, to other people. I think to me I feel way more self conscious about it just because it's there, you know. <laughs> and so how like how do you how do you make that part of your I mean obviously you don't make you don't make the elastomy bag part of it or anything, but how does how do you incorporate oh, yeah. that as you get my bag for me, baby? <laughs> how do you incorporate that into your into discussions of your sex life like how when you started dealing with that when you were 18 and started being mm-hmm. like I also still want to have sex like how did you how did you get to a place where you're like okay this is what it is it kind of started as so when I first had it I would always wear like a wrap around it even when not in sexual times just in general because I I didn't want it to be flapping about 
Um, and also, during intimacy, I would always wear this wrap so you couldn't see it. I didn't want anybody touching you there. I had a really big setback. I was dating this woman, um, and it was during when I, before I had my permanent bag, but I got the scar, and she really had a negative reaction. She, it wasn't, like, aggressively negative, but she did not want to look at it, didn't want to, you know, it, and that really wow, is I, hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine that's a super, like, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're like, as a, as a fellow disabled person, I can imagine, like, you're with that person in the room experiencing, this, like, their negativity while also trying to be sexy, and it's like, why would you... Why would you, why? Like, it's there. I have to look at it. Why can't you? Right, right. It's like, you know, you just want to be accepted for everything that you are. And even, you know, everybody has their preferences. People have their squicks. But, you know, you can move past it type thing. I mean, we're we're both kind of immature at that point. So I don't really blame her for it. But it's still, you know, it hits you hard, especially in the beginning. But I think it was just a really slow crawl of having very understanding lovers, having... You know, being surrounding myself with positive communities is really important. There's a lot of good Facebook groups for Ostomates yeah. and just, yeah. you know, talking to them um, helped a lot. And I mean, I know we talk about um, community and, and you know, kind of coming out with, with this kind of stuff, especially because it's when you have it covered, it's fairly invisible. So mm-hmm. you had asked me in the form that I sent out, you know, like, how do I come out about this to people and I, I really don't think you I don't think you should beat around the bush I don't think you should I don't think you should sugarcoat it I don't think you should hide it from I mean I, and I understand the fear I definitely mm-hmm. have been in a situation like I'm a, I'm a wheelchair user so there's no way that I can hide my disability ever I, it's it's right. it's there so I don't have the yeah, yeah. I don't have the luxury to pass and say I'm not like guess what I'm not mm-hmm. disabled today like that's not something I get to experience so I don't think you can really hide from that. And I don't think that it's fair to you just for, for from an emotional standpoint to like, if you're on dates with somebody or if you're going to fuck around with somebody, like they're going to see it eventually. Yeah. How are you going to like, it, it's almost like a, a bad sitcom trying to hide this stuff from people. Like they're eventually yeah. going to see it. And they're going to mm-hmm. know what's happening and you're going to have to say it. So, like, I don't think it needs to be a big thing. I mean, for mm-hmm. us, it always is because we're the disabled ones and we're the ones that have to, like, deal with the emotional fallout if, if the person decides to leave or something. So it's always it always feels like a big deal. But I feel like once it's out there, it just is what it is. Right. I think it's, like, very tempting to be like, oh, I want them to get my to know my personality first and then I'll let them know. But it's like that just makes it worse if you connect with somebody and then you're like, by the way, and they're like, uh, no, it's like, but it is still like that fear of being like, oh, they're not gonna like, I'm such a cool person. Like, you know, I should let people get to know me before they like judge me based on this thing. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, it's just making it worse when you do have to let them know. And if they do have a negative reaction, you're like, well, we've already built up this thing. Well, especially because it's connected to, like, with your particular stuff, it's connected to, like, poop, which people don't, which, you know, people don't, which shit, people don't necessarily want to, that's not something we associate with sexy, so Mm -hmm. I can only imagine the added strain you have of, like, I'm sexy, but hey, there's, like, I have a shit bag over here, don't worry about that, (laughs) like, 
Is, yeah. is there a way you've 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 adapted to feeling, you know, sexy with that there if you needed it? I think a big thing for me has been just being blatant about it and being humorous about it and letting it not be scary. I was telling my friend the other day when I was talking about doing this podcast, I'm like, people fear the unknown. And that's the biggest thing. I think the biggest hurdle is when people are like, oh, this is going to be like, it's going to smell. It's going to be disgusting. It's going to get on me. And I'm like, it's cleaner than an asshole. Okay. My asshole is contained in this bag. Your asshole's just out there. Who knows? Like, fart particles all over the place. Like, mine's self-contained. But, like, you know, I, I just try to look at the humor and get people laughing about it. I think helps a lot in, like, acceptance and, like, not making it a scary, like, ugh, gross, freaky thing. Yeah. Um, that's a big, big part of it, I think. I mean, because I think what people are picturing, like, when I'm picturing, like, like I've seen it now, and I know what it is. <laughs> And it, it's it's totally not scary. It's not. It doesn't. It didn't freak me out. And I think that could also be partially because I'm a disabled person and I'm used to right. like bags, Higher tolerance, things that are not <laughs> supposed to, like things that we wouldn't normally want in our bodies. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what it is. Like in about six hours from now, someone's gonna stab, put a catheter in my in my dick, and I'm gonna have to deal with that. So like, yeah, you know, that's something that I am comfortable with. But I I can imagine if if somebody was gonna get sexual with you. Seeing that there, like even if they said they were okay, I I, I can imagine they'd, they'd be looking at it, being like, "What if something happens? Like, what if it opens? Like, how do I? So how do you, yeah, yeah. How do you do or do you do do you try to curb their discomfort or is do you like with my disability? I spend a lot of time comforting other people. Um. So honestly. Since I got it, my so I'm poly, but I haven't really had any serious like besides my husband, obviously relationships, um, because it's been that's like such a a thing for me to try to deal with. I guess like it's it's how do you do it, and you know how do you deal with negative reactions like that's especially face to face. But what I I mean with friends and with like people I've you know hooked up with or whatever, I just try to make it as normal as possible. I try not to be like overly careful about just because it's like they either love me for who I am or they're just going to be like, and I'll try to educate people who don't want to be near it, but I'm not going to couch it, I guess. And I'm, I'm going to say, Hey, it's clear. I'll probably wear my thing. I mean, I always try to either I wear like a little tank top that I can slip down just yeah. to have it over it just because I don't want it out either. Um, you know, and just, be like it is what it is I guess like I'm not trying to baby other people which sounds like super like kind of bitchy but it's like I don't have time for people to be like huh, like oh it's it's okay like but to be fair like I'm able-bodied in all other ways so it's like I don't have to deal with the you know yeah, more intense you, stuff you yeah. do have enough privilege in that way that you can you you can see I can hide my wheelchair but you can hide your right the bag. Right. So, I mean, I I understand that for sure. But, I mean, do you – you said earlier that it gives you a little bit of confidence, the bag. Like, I know when I was wearing the my condom catheter and I had a bag attached to my leg all day and I would pee in the bag. I remember doing a photo shoot with the bag on and I was like, this is really hot. Like, I was so excited because I was like, wow, you never see photos like this and, and I'm, in, I'm in a photo with my bag on. Like, it's just – really cool so do you would you ever consider taking a like a sexy 
lingerie shot or like a boudoir shot with your bag on if it was like properly attired? Yeah, I mean, one thing that really helped my confidence in the early years was seeing a photo shoot of this lady who I think had a colostomy. I can't remember her name. She has a Facebook page and she's gorgeous, you know, and she was just like out there doing her thing, had her bag and it was like, that's so awesome. But I've taken pictures on the beach, like with my bag out and like a bikini, like I'm, and it's that you have to kind of just like take that step to be like, this is okay. Like, this is not like a horrible, freaky thing that is terrible. Like you just have to kind of force yourself, I guess, to take that step. So I think what I would like to do is maybe dress it up a little bit because it's like flesh colored right now. Like, it's kind of like, you know, like it looks like a medical device and it'd be cool. They make these little covers for them. So maybe get nice to match that to some lingerie, yeah, like, make it a little part of the, yeah. <laughs> start a lingerie line with, with lingerie with the, with, the, with a little spot for the bag. Something yeah, there you, go. you create that. They actually do. There's a couple people. I, cause I'm really into, you know, wearing sexy outfits. I go to like kinky parties and I want to wear cute stuff to it, you know, but that's still usually I wear like high rise stuff just cause you know, it keeps it all nice and in a nice line type of thing. But there's actually in the UK, there's a couple places that gear towards ostomates. There's a woman who is an ostomate who is also a fashion designer. And that was like a big hole in the market because it's a lot of old people is another thing. And like props to old people. But like, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but a very high percentage of ostomates are like in their 60s or older and they can be sexy. But like a lot of stuff geared towards that is more like granny panties type stuff, yeah, yeah, not yeah. like I'm young, and sexy and I'm going to, you know, get my groove on. <laughs> so, you know, and in like communities and like that too. See the, the, the motions that Kelly was making. <laughs> Gesticulating wildly. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious to be watching this while also talking to you. Um, <laughs> do you have any hilarious, like, sexy, awesome stories that you might want to share? Like, moments when you're with somebody and something like something, you know, something that would only happen to you having a having a bang. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is just like the sounds, you know, because you can't control it. It's not like a where you can hold it in but you still have those bubbles in your guts you know going through so sometimes you're getting you know hot and wild <laughs> that's not a phrase uh, <laughs> and it gets you your insides going too and you know there's been times where it's started to speak a little bit during the uh the coitus <laughs> so do you like because I, I would immediately be like, oh, sorry, bag made a sound, funny, like, let's make a joke. I would immediately run to that to be, to feel okay about it. Yeah, it's like with any noises during sex. Everybody gets, like, skin fart noises. You get the queef noise. You know, there's always these, like, ridiculous noises during sex. So I think you just have to learn to be, like, not embarrassed by it. Like, this is a thing. Let's keep the, you know, groove going. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you just kind of treat it like any other weird sound and sometimes the worst even worse than sex is yoga the end of yoga class you're laying down in savasana and everybody's you know completely dead silent and i'm laying there and all of a sudden it's like it's my shitter hey what up <laughs> exactly 
I think it's worse than those because these are all strangers I'm surrounded by, and they're like, "What the hell's up with this chick?" Yeah, like, what's going on? Why is Dwight? What, what's happening? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just reading, I'm just reading the form you sent me, and I'm giggling because you said in the form quite hilariously, you were like, um. You, it's unfair that you had to get your butt removed and you really like butt stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm like, why couldn't this happen to some other person who hates butt stuff? So I also Cause... love butt stuff so much. Um, <laughs> and if I couldn't, See, but I like doing stuff to other people's butts. That's what I enjoy more than my butt being played with because I have a similar fear to you. And I've mentioned this before, but I have a similar fear to you in that. You have the bag, but if, if somebody didn't wipe my ass properly that morning or something, mm-hmm. I can't clean myself. So I'm, right. I'm immediately concerned of like, oh, what if I shit on somebody? So when you were like, let's talk about ostomates, I was like, yeah, oh my God, so many similar things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, with the ostomies too, you have to deal with, sometimes it'll like have a blowout and that's another thing you're sleeping over with somebody or something and you have like... I've had blowouts at a wedding where I've had to deal with, like, holy shit, it's coming out the side. What the fuck do I do? <laughs> Run to the bathroom and try to, like, put something together. I once, the worst time, this was early before I started bringing emergency supplies with me, I was at um, dinner at Red Robin with my mother-in-law and my grandmother-in-law, and <laughs> it all I, like felt it and it was wet and I was like oh fuck and we're out at dinner like I had nothing with me so I went to my husband I was like we need to we need to get some some supplies so what we did was we went to a target that was across the street like bought some like gauze and some like medical tape and I just like went to the bathroom and like jerry-rigged this thing to like keep it on as long as you know until we got home but that was definitely the worst Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, don't mind me. I'm just going to sneak away real quick. But, um, wouldn't it be cool to see, like, a heroine in a movie or something? You know how they have rom-coms where the, the, like, lead actress is kind of ridiculous and she goes through hilarious things? Wouldn't it be cool to have that kind of premise around somebody dealing with the stuff we deal with? Like, that would make such a good movie premise because she could still be hot and sexy and her, her... Iliostomy bag could be opening up, or her catheter could be yeah. fucked, or things, you know, stuff that, like, only we deal with could be in this mm-hmm. movie and could be really, like, I just think that would give people a lot of confidence. And so, like, you should totally think about making a character that would go through all the stuff that's basically like you, but is <laughs> going through all the stuff for people to feel confident. I feel like, yeah, I was just um, mentioned to a friend how much I love Zach Anner, um, who, you know, he does these hilarious yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was saying, I think comedy is what brings people together the most. If we can both laugh at something, you know, it let, makes it less scary. It makes it like a normal thing. So I think it'd be good for normalizing disabilities to be like, <laughs> this is like something that happens. It's not something to be like fragile about because people are like, "Oh, you're sick." Oh, like let's you know be super careful and super gentle. And it's like, no, it's 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 a normal thing and it's hilarious yeah, and like and I think that would be amazing. And so there's like, so many opportunities it would just, there. <laughs> it would just make I think 
Because the way popular culture looks at disability right now, is, and I've mentioned this with a few guests now, the way popular culture looks at, looks at disability is so gross, quite frankly. And so if we had characters, like if Jennifer Garner's character had a, had a Iliosmi bag or Kristen Big <laughs> and Bridesmaids or, you know, like... like oh, if, yeah, perfect. If those characters <laughs> also had disability stuff... Or they hired, you know, disabled actors to play these characters. It would be so... I just think because people are so afraid of, like, bodily functions generally when it comes to sex. And I think disabled people are also afraid of, like, I'm afraid of my shit during sex all the time. Because I literally am like, what if I fart and shit myself? Or what if someone's eating me out and I shit in their mouth? Like, these <laughs> I really truly worry about because I don't have control over it. So, right. like, I think it's really hard to feel and to feel sexually confident when half of your body you don't have control over. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I think it happens as it <laughs> pun intended uh, <laughs> that you know you have to accept that that shit happens, and I think. Get you getting seen the comedy in it and not making it like a big deal is huge. And I think, yeah, right now in media, from what I see, it's like they stick an able bodied person in a wheelchair and they're like, good, we got our token disabled person, you know? And it's like, what, yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> they, they never show, we, they don't show invisible disabilities a lot. And especially, we never get to know how that person goes to the bathroom. Right, like, exactly. You don't see their intimate details of their life. How do they get into bed? How do they get dressed? Yeah, like, who did that? What's their life? Yeah, like who did that for them? I saw on that show mm-hmm. Speechless in the first season, like like a few months ago. I remember watching it, and they had a scene where the care attendant was putting the guy on the toilet, and I was like, "This is amazing because we've never seen this before." So I think mm-hmm. there's, I think for people who are dealing with ostomies and catheters and stuff like that, there should be scenes in these in these, like, rom-coms where these characters, you know, they go pee and we get to see that. I think it mm-hmm. could be done tastefully and appropriately and could totally change the way we look at the body and disability and sex. For sure. I think also when I had to get, I think my, like, serious depression after getting the bag would have been alleviated a lot by seeing it in anywhere, like, anywhere. <laughs> Like, I had no knowledge besides, like, I was, I think I mentioned in my thing to you, like, the CDC had the thing, an anti-smoking ad where this lady was talking about her bag, like, it was, like, a punishment. Like, oh, I got bowel cancer from smoking. Like, oh, it's disgusting and it smells. I have to empty all the time and it, it's gross and I hate it. Or, like, a guy will be like, oh, don't be a gang member. Like, it was some cop. Uh, I forget. It might have been Canada. Who they had to apologize because they were like, "Oh, don't go and be gang members. You're gonna have a, a Aussie bag." Because a big, a lot of people who have them were wow, shot, really? like, like, shooting victims. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how cool are you gonna be walking down the street with your Aussie cool bag? And it's like that's like that's what turns people away. And people wait so long, which my life is like a hundred times better with it than it was before. Yeah, but I did not want to get it because it's like, oh, it's gross, icky, like. Yeah, it's like doctors aren't, and like the the doctors aren't like, hey, you having this bag will be sexy for you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying there needs to be more campaigns where, if you have a catheter, if you have a bag, if you have something mm-hmm. that is visibly really not supposed to be there, but is anyway, we need to find a way to show that. So I think, like, 
you i mean and even you being on this podcast is like someone's gonna hear this and go oh, cool they can live their life and still have sex and like so okay so you said in your thing to me that you can't do butt stuff does that mean so explain this to me does that mean that i wish i could show you <laughs> do they like do they like close your sphincter up or what I have nothing. It's called what we call a Barbie butt. Another little fun term we have, which is where they remove my rectum and my anus and everything. So it's like literally just like a smooth surface, like a Barbie. It's pretty wild Um, because I was getting all these fistulas and I had perineal disease. I think that's how you say it, perineal disease. Um, And it was like I was incontinent. Even with the bag, you still have a little stump is what they call it of like of rectum and stuff and that still creates mucus and it like just made things worse so yeah they chopped that whole thing out and i actually got e coli infections in both of my my abdominal uh wound and in my asshole wound <laughs> and i had to have like a wound back on it <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> but um yeah no it's completely there's nothing there it's it's there's no sensations or anything really which is a super bummer because at least with the stump you know you can still do a little bit you know i mean I th- there it became to a point where it became too painful to do anything but you know, it's still there. The nerves are still there. But now it's like, I do a phantom poops, though. That's a fun little fact for you. Phantom, it's like a phantom is, hand. So, a phantom asshole. <laughs> and, so, what is a, and so what is a phantom poop? Like, you feel like you're going to poop? Yeah. You, you, I have to take my pants off and sit on the toilet or else it won't go away. It's like, I can't pretend to shit in my chair. I have to, like go get up and go to the bathroom and like bear down as if I'm going to shit, <laughs> but like nothing happens. It's like, I don't know. It's so bizarre, but it happens to a lot of people. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, we, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, you learn something new every day. <laughs> so you also mentioned that you wanted to share with me kind of how your relationship with your partners have changed since all this kind of started happening for you 10 years ago. Do you want to kind of mm-hmm. tell that story? Yeah. Um, so it's mostly been since, like I said, I was dating um, a woman when I got, like, I was already diagnosed, but it was pre, like, seriousness. Um, and with her, it was it was kind of more like avoid it, <laughs> pretend it doesn't exist. But we, to be fair, we hadn't dated very long. It was kind of like a summer thing. Um, but with Patrick, my husband, um, we've been together for 10 years, so he since I got diagnosed he's been with me and it has been he's been amazing like by my side constantly never my dad was like any other person would have just like left (laughs) which is true like dealing with a partner with disease is really difficult and for a while I couldn't go out you know I I couldn't go out to see a movie because I'd have to go to the bathroom halfway through I couldn't go out to dinner same thing I was in pain all the time he had to walk to the hospital one time because I drove over for a doctor's appointment and the doctor's like, you need to go get surgery now. And I had the only car. So I made him like walk with my laptop and everything like a mile to the hospital. But I've been very lucky. A lot of people, you know, they, they get left because it's hard to, and I don't know how much you can blame the other person because it is a huge change and it's really difficult to deal with. I think that's the thing with being born with an illness versus developing something later is like it, the change is like they say on the multi-amory podcast all the time change is what is the hard part. So for us, it was a lot of just renegotiating how our, our lifestyle was like, 
you know, it's, there was a couple times where it, it was really difficult because I was trying to hold down a job, but like I worked for the census and I walked like door to door to get everybody's information. And at the end of the day, I'd be so exhausted. I couldn't do anything else. And he was like, you know, I'm, he came up to visit me. I was with my parents. Um, and he, he was just really bummed because he came up to visit me and I couldn't do anything at the end of the day. You know, you're just out of spoons because I spent all day going door to door with this stuff. Like, yeah. And so that was, you know, there's hiccups like that, but it's just been, I'm trying to like think of a succinct way to, to put it. I mean, anything changes when you have a relationship from 18 to 28. I think it's, you know, everybody changes in those years, regardless if it's disease or if it's just preferences or it's ideologies. So I think it's kind of another way of doing that is just learning what, what, what kind of life you want, I guess. <laughs> I think one of the important things you said there when I was listening to you talk, you said, you know, it is hard for the the partner who's not experiencing it. I think we need mm-hmm. to remember that. And I think we need to remember that, like, it can be really tough for the non-disabled partner because they don't, they try really hard to understand. And I I have never been in a long-term relationship. So I'm speaking from, like, what I think is experience. I've only messed around with somebody and been like, oh, thanks for the blowjob. See you later. But... I can imagine that it would be, like, really difficult to come into a world that you have no context for and be like, I care about this person. I'm going to, you know, be with them. But what the fuck do I do? How do I support this person when I have no idea how to do that? And it doesn't help that he hates hospitals, hates blood draws, he'll faint. <laughs> like when I got my blood drawn, he had to leave like the room and I was still like nauseous in hospitals. So he really had to tough it out. I think a big thing that helped, I tried to be very self-sufficient and very um, kind of like forward thinking with like my resources, like not relying so much on him for everything. And there's some things, you know, different disabilities require different amounts of help. But, you know, I tried not to put too much burden on him because there's a lot of emotional burden. You know, a lot of just like I was super depressed or he'd find me on the floor and I'd have to make him have to you know, drive me to the hospital or, you know, a lot of those burdens were on him and I know it's hard. So I try to be like, okay, I'm going to arrange getting my supplies myself. I'm going to arrange my insurance myself you know, having to skip a semester in school, you know, stuff like that, just because I knew if I, if I put too much on one person, it's going to break them. You know, you can't put everything on your partner. So friends and family and stuff like that helps a lot. And I mean, I think that, I think, and I do this, I do this even with my, even with my fuck buddies, I expect so much out of them when we're messing around as if you're supposed to like, you're supposed to fix all this and you're just supposed to know. And if you don't know, (laughs) then somehow you're an asshole for not knowing. And I've done this to them so many times. Like, people that I slept with, I'm like, why don't you just know? Why don't you just figure it out? Just, and if you don't, like, and that, like, so I, I understand when you're saying, like, you can't put all this on one person. It's not fair because, but sometimes we don't know who else to put it on because, like, who else is gonna, gonna be there with us when we talk about, when you talk about how you don't have an asshole or I talk about how, like, I gotta get a thing shoved in my dick every couple hours. Like, Who's going to be there to listen to that shit? So I think our expectations of relationships, mine anyway, are much too high because I've never been in one. And so any kind of relationship that I enter in with somebody, whether it's a fuck or like let's see each other again, 
it's like, I don't know how to let that be something that isn't so crazy high. My expectations are way too unrealistic because I, I've only been taught that relationships are this fantastical thing that other people get to have and I don't get to have it. So I think I understand what you're saying when you mean like you don't want to put all that on one person. You can't. Yeah, and I mean, I get, I totally understand, like, it's so frustrating to have to explain to people, especially if you have, like, a series of partners, you have to go through that every time, and it's like, ugh, just know how to deal with this, like, I don't want to have to hold your hand, so I 100% get why that can be frustrating, I think it's just, you have to find the balance, I mean, you can't expect them, you, you can't expect yourself to hold everything in and not... You know, I, I, I tell them about issues that I'm having or I say, oh, like my insurance is being a pain in the ass or whatever, but I'm not going to put like the actual act of doing all those things. But again, like I have the resources to and be the, able to the, do you that. Know, you do have the ability to be able to like the physical ability. Whereas if I can't do something, I literally mm-hmm. have to say to my partner, like, I can't do this. You have to do right. for me. And so there's an added, there's an added like pressure of that with somebody else. But I mean, I want to go back to the ileostomy for a second and ask you, like, mm-hmm. sex position. The sexy ileostomy. Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, so I want to I ask you, like, do you does that change the kind of sex you can have? Um, not really, honestly. It's, it, well, you can't do as much, like, smashed on top of you, but that's not really pleasant for me anyway, like, you just, like, a missionary where the guy's, like, flopped on top of you, it's I more, I feel like, with women, <laughs> I don't think it is, no, um, yeah, like, obviously, sometimes if I'm feeling insecure, I'll want to do, like, doggy style or something that, or I'll keep my shirt on a lot of the times if I'm feeling a little more insecure about it, or if it's being more active or whatever, but, um, otherwise, like, girl on top, whatever, great like I'm into it I think the bit my biggest fear is sex with women just because I feel in my experience it's a lot more hands-on a lot more touching and like it's not like dick and vagina type thing <laughs> not, that, not that I'm saying my sex is better just dick and vagina but with with my current partner we've learned to work around it with a new partner you have to learn how to work around it when you're being like foreplay and like getting into it you know like I'm when you were talking about foreplay, I was picturing like, have you ever had foreplay and then the thing opened? No, no, it's very secure. Um, it's got like little ziploc, not ziploc. It's got little um velcro tabs, and you like fold it. So thankfully, the, the bottom never comes off. And if I'm feeling like oh, this, I don't, I don't know how I'm feeling about it. I'll just change the bag. Like I'm not gonna, especially with a new partner. I'll get a brand spanking new one. Yeah. You know, it's on there nice and secure, um, and, you know, and I'll, you know, you'll go and freshen up and stuff like that. You'll spritz yourself a little bit, you know, <laughs> just to, to kind of keep that all contained. Um, so, but it is still, like, when you said uh, avoiding. When you said doggy style <laughs> a minute ago, I was picturing them fucking someone in the ass and I was like but wait she just said she doesn't have it and then I, then I realized I was like oh okay now I understand alright yep I know but it's also ruined my uh, you know dream of triple penetration as well I never got to do that before this and you know 
husband was totally like, yeah, let's do that. And now I'm like, now I can only do DP. The hell? <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that was your dream. I kind of liked it. That, that was your dream, though. Dream. <laughs> My sexual dream. Um, no, but it's 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 just working. I think teaching people also with a new partner, like where they can. Like a lot of times, either they're like ugh, or they're like really gentle with it or like fragile with your whole body just because you have this one spot yeah. and it's like let's just avoid this one area but anywhere else fine you know but just kind of teaching like where our comfort zones are what's like the boundary like you know stuff like that is, is a and little so tricky. like have you ever had it where the bag fills up when you're having sex and you have to like stop and be like okay i'm just gonna go over here and just take care of this no, well, it's never like gotten to the point where it's like been full of, to popping point, but it's definitely gotten full over the course of it. And it's just like, I kind of just try to put it out of my head. Sometimes in those cases, I'll wear like my shirt or I'll wear the, the thing yeah. just to kind of tuck it away a little more. Um, can I tell you the grossest thing somebody's uh, mentioned to me oh, about I'm it? I'm so ready for the grossest, most ableist thing someone said. I'm ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> Okay, have you ever heard this? It's a disgusting joke about, um, like, people have asked me if somebody's fucked it before, fucked the stoma, and I'm like, first of all, it's not a sphincter. It's like a teeny hole. You can't get a finger in there. It's a medical, it's but, a yeah. medical hole that was created so I can live, and it's not. I'm like, did somebody uh, fuck your nostril? I don't know, like. I guess somebody's done it, probably. But so, they always tell me the story. Every like, random strangers always tell me, "Oh, I heard this. This guy, like, I've heard of, like this like gay dude who like got his like stoma fucked and got like he got like uh, gonorrhea in his in his like hole." And I'm like, "No, nobody does that. Stop yeah. being disgusting. No, I like, like that's it's not, like vile. I feel like that's not realistic because no. If you're if you, many reasons, yeah, because if it's <laughs> as small as you say it is, then how? What? Can't get a dick yeah. in there. There's no way to get. Yeah. You'd have like a hernia and those that no time trying that, and it hurts. It, it's, that's a, an internal organ, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like if anybody, like I had a dog jump on me once and like whack it with his paw, and I had to go to the hospital because like it inflames up. Oh no! Like that's supposed to be on the inside of your body, it's not the outside. So, so I'm, like, does that change? Like uh, if a if a pup's paw can like inflame it, do, can you not do certain kinks because? I haven't tried ropes since. I used to be really into suspension, um, and I'm sure there's ways to work around it, but I haven't tried it since just because also having that control over being like, wait, I need to go run to the restroom or like, oh, I don't like it in a certain way. You know, it's like I've actually another sex thing. I used to be very submissive, and now I'm very dominant, and I think this has kind of changed that because of like the control yeah, aspect, so like, I think, so like, why? Because you have to control everything and you need to be in control of it so that the bag doesn't do things you don't want it to do? Yeah, I th well, I think it's a combination of things. And disclaimer, I am not saying that subs aren't confident. I think they're, I think for me personally, when I, you know, when I was 18, 20, whatever, I was a lot less confident in myself. And so I was more sexually submissive, I think, just to kind of be like, here's my attractive body. Like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing with it. But and like, I want your approval. I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of young 
women really that's like a big thing is like I need male approval I need to be sexy and like a way to be sexy you know is to be like a sub and like get all this attention yeah and, like, and following the um, men's stereotypical role of what a woman a woman is supposed mm-hmm. to do um right and, and I'm not again like not for all subs but I think for me personally it kind of reflected in that and I so I think a combination of wanting more control over my body and getting more confident and less kind of in that space has kind of changed it over. I still like receiving uh, like pain things, but not as much the mental part of it. But I, yeah, with like bondage and stuff, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with it yeah, anymore. If somebody for, for hits stuff like you that. in the wrong way, then you got to, then you got to go to the ER and explain to the, <laughs> explain yeah, to yeah. The- and the ER people do not know what they're doing. I had an ER doctor during that, it, situation she's like um because i was like oh i didn't bring an extra bag because i like just came here because she wanted to take it off yeah. to look at it and i'm like well do you have a stoma nurse you can bring an extra bag and she's like can't you just stick it back on and i'm like you're a doctor that happens to me <laughs> like, all the time in medical spaces oh i'm sure so yeah times. it's like they're so ignorant sometimes yeah you have to really be a, a self-advocate in those I mean, situations that's frustrating when sometimes you don't want to advocate for yourself you just want to have sex mm-hmm. You just want to mess around. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be advocating through this whole experience. You just want to get off with somebody and enjoy yourself. And that's something that I often have trouble with. It's just being in the moment and enjoying it because I'm like, I have to manage disability and I have to manage right. all this stuff. And I have to like make sure that my body doesn't break down. And I have to make sure my dick isn't bleeding because the catheter went in too hard earlier or that this isn't like, there's all this stuff that I have to consider. And I think it can be really frustrating and I can only imagine with the elostomy how, like, how much anxiety you initially had when it first was happening to you. Like now it's it. Now you sound like you're like, oh yeah, it is what it is. But I can imagine being 18 and trying to be quote unquote cool about it was really hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and when. You know, in, like, the forums I'm in, there's a lot of people who are new to it who are like, ugh, I hate everything about this. And it's just time is the biggest thing. You know, now, even in my dreams, like, you know, you'll dream about your body and your dreams, my bag's there. Like, I can't even imagine my body without it. I think it just takes time for your brain to, like, catch up with what your physicality is. And I think also because it helps you. Like, I'd rather dream that I have the bag than dream that I was having a fistula and dream that I was having, like, (laughs) asshole. Yeah, like, excruciating pain. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. and you know, it's like, oh, but, you know, oh, I wish I could imagine myself as not sick, but it's like, that's not the reality. And I, my biggest thing was, you play the hand you're dealt. And people always like, you know, they, they fetishize like, oh, how brave you are. Oh, you're so like, amazing for like overcoming it. And it's like, anybody has to play yeah, the hand you're, you're not dealt. overcoming like, it, you're living life. with it. Like I, I when, people, when people say right. overcoming, I barf, I can't, like, I immediately start vomiting because I'm like I'm not overcoming anything I'm living with it right now yeah I hate the inspiration porn like bullshit it's like oh look this like disabled sad sick person could do it why can't you do it you normal human being you know it's like motivation and it's like I can't climb Mount fucking Everest okay like not all disabled people can do this shit either close enough right that's pretty good so there was one thing you would want people who may be dealing with this uh, or may have to consider this to know about it and to learn about it when it comes to sex. What would you want to tell them? 
it comes to sex specifically, um, I would say, you know, take as much time as you want. Don't try to feel like you have to be back to what you were. Um, try to like learn to integrate your new normal and like learn to make that a part of you. And it, it might take time, take, you know, years, but slowly try to make yourself a little more confident with it. It's just an ongoing process, I think, is the biggest thing. And like, would you recommend, because I, I would tell somebody to like rock the bag and like do photo shoots and do things like that. Would you, that's something you would recommend that they do? Absolutely. And just advocating for it, just talking about it to anybody. I think I feel more confident just because I'm, people try to hide it and they're scared of it. And that just, you know, makes it worse. But if you're out there, you're telling anybody who asks like, Hey, this is what life is like. If, and like you get, I get so many positive reactions from people, you know, it overweighs the negative like a ton. So I think not only like doing photo shoots or, you know, physically getting out there, but also like verbally getting out there and being an advocate and being out. Um, it helps everybody else and it helps yourself. You know, people expect it from you. My, everybody knows I have the bag now. So if I meet somebody through a friend, it's just a thing that they already, it's not like a secret, you know? <laughs> so it, it makes it more normal. You don't have for to sure. hide it. You don't have to make it weird. And it's, it's, there's a, there's a lot of work mm -hmm. like, when I've been sexual with people hiding stuff from them, it's so... Because then you have to remember what you didn't tell them, and you're like... Anxiety, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, which part of this did I hide from you? Oh, yeah, this part. I better, mm -hmm. I better lie about it. So, like, I think... And I think you being so relatively young, it will give a lot of people who are going through this, like, oh, it doesn't happen to just people who are in their 70s or 80s or mid-60s. Right. It's not, like, a death sentence. People are like, I'd rather die than get the bag. And it's like... People just don't realize that it's not that, like, disgusting. Like, yeah, like, you got to deal with your poop more, but it is what it is. <laughs> you, know how many, you know how many queer men who sleep with men have to deal with poop all the time as part of their... Yeah, enemas, like, all the time, right? It's like a yeah. nonstop enema machine. Like a thing you got to deal with, so, like... You just learn, it's like the new normal type thing, you know? It, you make it normal. <laughs> Don't make it weird. <laughs> Unless you want to make it yeah, weird, then I mean, go for it. You have a poop <laughs> thing, and if you and your partner have a poop thing and you want to do that, great, go ahead. Do it. You are, like, at, you know, a, that's a benefit to you. Yeah, like, lucky. <laughs> I don't, but, you know, it, maybe it would be easier if I did, but. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to let the audience know? Um... You know, if you do have one um, and you don't have a good community, I would definitely suggest, like, online. We have the internet for a reason. There's a lot of resources there. So I just suggest, like, uh, Ostimates Unite is a good Facebook group that I've been a part of that's helped me a lot. So just to, you know, if you're even a loved one of somebody want to learn more and don't burden them with a million questions, <laughs> you could go there and kind of be a little fly on the wall. Um, I think that's that's just something that's super and helpful. That's, that's awesome. I didn't, I will, I will definitely like a Ostomates Unite because that's awesome. Um, if people want to get a hold of you to hear more about your experience and talk to you directly because you seem pretty open about it, which is cool. So I think we should plug you. How can people get a hold of you? Um, okay. So I'm on, oh gosh, I have to remember my things. I'm on Twitter at critter underscore queen. Um, I am Critter Biscuit on Instagram, uh, and I actually have a public Facebook profile under my name. It's going to be my art page, but 
feel free to message me about anything on there. Um, what the heck else is there? I don't know. I have a Snapchat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so no, I can put it up. I can put it up. So- there you go. I yeah, one. I think it's Flitterati24. Um, <laughs> yeah, click on the show notes. Yeah, easier. yeah, I know. I'll make sure it's up. <laughs> Kelly, it was so fun to talk to you and to learn about about iliostomies and bags and sex and all that stuff. And I'm really, it's really awesome that you were, were willing to, 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 you know, share this with me um, and to share this with an audience and to, to be really proactive about it, which I think is cool. And I think you sharing that will hopefully help somebody else. So. Yeah, I hope so. And I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast because it's so important. Like very important work. I, I love doing it. I love getting to talk to people like you and who want to sit with me for an hour and laugh about poo and laugh about <laughs> sex and disability. So I really appreciate your time with me today. You're awesome. And thanks so much for stopping by. No problem. Okay. <laughs>
by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs, or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.